Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, celebrating 50 years of sharing God's unconditional love and grace. Welcome to the Gospel Truth broadcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Gospel Truth. Don't limit God. He wants you to have an abundant life. God isn't angry at us anymore. The war is over. And I know that there's many of you who love God, but I tell you, there's a better way to pray. Everything that Jesus came to do, the power for it is released through the gospel, the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach on who told you that you were naked. You know, that may be a strange title, but that is an exact quote what the Lord said to Adam. When Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, immediately he, his eyes were opened. He knew he was a sinner. He felt shame. He felt fear. He ran from God instead of to him, and he hid himself. And when God called out where he was, Adam said, I was ashamed. I hid myself. I was afraid, and I hid myself because I was naked. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? The very fact that God asked that question means he didn't tell him, and it wasn't the devil that told him. It was when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's when man's conscience began to function, and it was his own heart that condemned him. And I've been trying to make this point all of these four weeks. This is near the end of it, and this tomorrow is going to be my last day to offer you this brand new book I've got entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? And it's actually a study on the conscience. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree, that's when they gained a conscience, and this conscience is what condemned them. Their own heart condemned them. And it is so important that you understand the sense of guilt and shame and unworthiness that you feel is not God. God is not the one who is condemning you, and it's not even the devil. It's your own heart. It's your conscience. And I have spent this entire time showing scriptures about how that the conscience is a fact of life. You can't ignore it. If you ignore the conscience, you do it to your own detriment. You've got to deal with it, but you can't let it dominate you. You have to purge your conscience. Now, I'm talking primarily to people once you get born again. Before you get born again, your conscience serves a purpose to show you that you are a sinner, that you deserve death, and that you need a Savior. It is to bring you to your knees and keep you from trusting in yourself. And so that is a good point. And, and, the, and the law actually activated, amplified the voice of the conscience so that it made it even louder and produced more guilt and more condemnation to bring you to Christ. This is what Galatians chapter 3 says, that the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. But after that we are under Christ, and once we've come to Him, we're no longer under that schoolmaster. The New Testament believer has to change. Your conscience is still there, but now it'll perform a negative effect in your life if you don't purge it from dead works to serve the living God. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. So your conscience served a purpose to show you your need for Christ, to bring you to Christ. It still is there. You can't ignore it. You can't just like somehow or another kill your conscience. You, you need it. There, when you do something wrong, when you hurt a person, when you say things wrong, when you do these things, you need to feel rotten about it so that you quit doing it, that you don't persist in it. It's like 
touching something that's hot. You don't like the feeling of pain that comes when you touch something hot, but it serves a purpose. It makes you withdraw. It makes you stop doing that. The conscience before you get born again, leads you to Christ. Even after you're born again, you still need to know when you've done something wrong, something that has displeased God. And there is still a function of the conscience, but if you just give it free reign, it will condemn you. It will take away your confidence. It will make you live in a constant state of fear and shame. And you have to purge this conscience through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Let me use these verses that I've been using this week in 1 John chapter 3 in verse 19. It says, Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. I spent a lot of time talking about how we have to assure our hearts. Uh, Abraham says he was fully persuaded. Who persuaded Abraham? Well, God made a promise, but God didn't persuade him. Nobody else persuaded him. Abraham had to persuade himself. He had to assure his heart. You have to assure your heart before God. And then in verse 20, it says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. This shows you that you can feel condemnation when God isn't the source of it. This says, if our heart condemn us, God's greater than our heart. And He, know, he knows that, he's, that He has forgiven us. He knows that we've been born again. He knows that there's now no condemnation. As it said over in Romans chapter 8, who is He that will condemn? It's Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who's seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. Jesus isn't condemning us. It's our heart that condemns us. And God is greater than our heart. Even though we feel unworthy and we feel like, how could God love us? The whole time, God is loving you because of what He's done in your life, because you accepted the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. God is pleased with you when you don't even feel the pleasure of the Lord. Man, that is a big statement. You know, look at this passage in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 6. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. By and large, the church has said, it's your actions, it's your holiness, it's the way you live that pleases God. This says faith is what pleases God. If you have put faith in Jesus, then you know what? You please God if you have faith in Jesus. You know, I was in a church in Missouri one time and I taught a message on, on I please God. But the way I introduced it, it was in the morning service. There was about 400 people there. And I said, how many of you want to please God? You want to please God more than anything else. And did you know nearly every hand, I guess every hand in the place went up. Everybody says, I want to please God more than anything else. And then I said, all right, let me ask you another question. How many of you please God? And out of 400 people, there were two hands that went up, an 11-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. Two children raised their hands to say that they please God. And yet everybody, 400 people, says that's my greatest desire. And I began to say, if this is your desire to please God and yet you don't feel like you please God, can you understand that this is the source of your guilt and condemnation? Your sense of unworthiness is because you've got this standard and you're constantly falling short of it. 
And I began to tell them that it is not your holy living that pleases God. God doesn't accept you because you do everything right. He accepts you because He loved you. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God loved us not because we were lovely, but because He is love and He made a way for us to be in right standing with Him and that is through sending Jesus. Jesus paid for our sins and we are accepted in the Beloved. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, we are accepted in Him, not in ourselves, not in what we do. And if you understood this, you should go around saying, I please God. Look at this in context. Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. For those of you who aren't familiar with this, this is in Genesis chapter 5, and Enoch was 360-something years old, and he didn't die. He was just caught up into the presence of the Lord. He walked with God, and, and the Scripture says he was not because God took him. I've heard people say it this way, that Enoch walked with God and became so intimate and so close to God that one day he was walking with God and fellowshipping with God and God said, Enoch, just come to my home. You're closer to my place than you are yours. <laughs> and, and he just got caught up. Enoch is one of only two men recorded in Scripture who didn't physically die. They were just caught up into the presence of God. And so that's what this is talking about. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him and here's the reason, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He believed that he pleased God. This was a man under the old covenant that didn't even have the revelation of Jesus dying and taking our sins. Now, he may have had some promise, like in the third chapter of the book of Genesis, God promised uh, uh, Abraham, uh, Adam and Eve that their seed would bruise the head of the serpent. And so there was types and symbolisms. Of course, the sacrifices were symbolic of the sacrifice that Jesus was made. But he didn't have a clear revelation of what Jesus did the way that you and I do. And yet, he had understood it. He had received it and embraced it to the point that he said, I please God. And some people think, well, he just lived such a holy life. No, it says right here, by faith, Enoch was translated. It wasn't because of his goodness. The scripture says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a single person, me, you, anybody on this planet who has lived a perfect life. There was only one person, that was Jesus, and he died and gave his life a holy sacrifice for us so that we could be accepted with God in the beloved. Again, that's Ephesians 1, 6. We are accepted in the beloved, not accepted in ourselves. We are accepted in Christ. And Enoch had revelation of this. It wasn't his holiness. It was his faith that caused him to say that he pleased God. And notice he had this testimony that he pleased God. You know, I taught on this. I forget exactly when, but it was probably at least 20 years, 30 years ago. I was doing a series on what pleases God and I was using these exact verses. And a woman in the church that I go to, she made me a sweater that, I mean, it was a black sweater and in bold letters on the front, it says, I please God. And then on the back, 
was uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And you know, I wore that sweater a number of times, but man, the reactions I got from that were unbelievable. People were offended. People came and says, who do you think you are? And people immediately thought that when you say, I please God, that somehow or another, it's because you're doing everything right. And, and I actually quit wearing it because it was just too much trouble. It did start some conversations about the Lord, but most of them were negative. But did you know uh, Enoch went around telling people. It says this was his testimony. Enoch told people, I please God. Enoch went around saying, I please God. God is pleased with me. Let me ask you, how many of you go around telling people that I please God? God is pleased with me. Most of you watching this program would not say that if your life depended on it because you would be afraid that God would be upset. You, your, heart, your conscience condemns you and keeps you from saying that. Man, those are strong statements. But did you know if you truly were to appropriate everything we've been talking about and if you were to take the blood of Jesus, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, and let the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from dead works so that you could serve the living God. If you were to do what Hebrews chapter 10 talks about, your heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, then you know what? You should be able to say, I please God. Could you go out and say that in front of people? Now, I'm not I acknowledge that not everybody understands what we're talking about, and you might have to explain it, but you know what? You should not feel guilty about saying that you please God because faith is what pleases God. That's what the next verse goes on to say. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Faith is what pleases God. If you are believing in Jesus as your Savior, if you is, have accepted salvation, then you are pleasing to God, not because every action is right, not because you do everything perfectly. God is pleased with you because you put faith in His Son, because you've accepted His Son. And God is a spirit, John 4, 24. He sees you in the spirit, and in the spirit you are as perfect and pure as His Son is, and God is pleased with you. If you can't say that I please God, then your conscience is defiled. And you know what? If you just look at your actions, it's true that your actions don't always please God. My actions don't always please God. But you know what? I know that God loves me because of I, I have accepted Him. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new and God loves me, and I can boldly say, I'm saying in front of billions of people, we have a potential of 4.4 billion people watching this program, and I'm telling you that I please God. Not because everything I do is always right, but because I have put faith in Jesus. And God looks at my faith, and He's pleased. I please God. And you know what? That's, that doesn't come easily to say that. I mentioned this on my program, I think it was yesterday, that when the Lord first started showing me these things, that I was righteous. That's another way of saying that you please God, that you are in right standing with God, that God isn't imputing sin unto you. 
When I first started seeing this, I had to stand in front of a mirror and preach to myself and assure my heart and convince myself that what the Word says about me was true. And the very first time I ever looked at myself in a mirror and pointed my finger at myself and I said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. First time I ever said that, all of the hair on the back of my neck stand, stood up. Fear just overwhelmed me like, oh God, don't strike me dead for saying I'm righteous. I'm just trying to say what the Word says. Honestly, I had fear because I had had it so ground in me that there is none righteous, no, not one. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags and stuff. I had those things so ground into me that I had fear. My heart wasn't confident. I wasn't fully persuaded. But I have kept saying these things to myself. I minister it to myself now. And you know what? I have had to fully persuade myself. I have had to assure my heart and I have done these exact things. So when I'm saying that I please God, when I'm saying I'm the righteousness of God, I guarantee you it took a while for me to convince my heart of this. Your conscience, it's like a computer. You program it and it's going to function the way it was programmed to function. And the sad thing is all of us, at one time, everybody was condemned by our conscience because we didn't know the Lord. But then after we come to the Lord, we have to change our conscience. We have to purge our conscience from dead works. And the sad fact is most of us haven't done this. We just thought, we just think that if God really was pleased with us, I would just feel His pleasure. And that's not true. Again, let me go back to these verses I was using. It says, we have to assure our hearts before in 1 John 3, 19, verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. That shows that our heart will condemn us when God doesn't have anything to do with it. And in verse 21, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards Him. Many of us are lacking confidence. We lack the confidence to say that I please God because our own heart is condemning us. Our own conscience is condemning us. You've got to purge that conscience from dead works. As Paul said, I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense. Notice he didn't say, I exercise myself so that I never do anything wrong. Paul did things wrong. Paul was not perfect. You know, Paul had such a uh, disagreement with Barnabas. There was so, it says that the strife was so strong between them that Barnabas and Mark had to separate themselves from Paul. And Paul wound up taking Timothy. And yet later in life, the apostle Paul says, bring unto me the parchments and Mark who is profitable unto me for the ministry. Did you know either Mark changed which it's possible that he continued to grow and stuff. But I believe that, you know, Paul made a mistake right there. Paul, there was contention between them. I can guarantee you this, that when Paul went to Jerusalem at the end of his ministry, he had three things come up. He had people prophesy him, to him, don't go to Jerusalem because if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound and you will be imprisoned. Some people can interpret that and say, well, even though it was prophesied that he would be bound, it didn't say that he shouldn't go. But later, Agabus, the prophet, came up and spoke by the Spirit, capital S, that he should not go to Jerusalem. 
And yet Paul went ahead and went to Jerusalem because he loved the Jews. He says, I could wish that I myself could be accursed so that my brethren could be one to the Lord. I think that might be Romans chapter 9. He was talking about his love for the Jews and he loved them so much that he went against the instructions that were spoken by the Spirit of the Lord. Because of it, he was arrested. He was put in prison for two years in Judea and then he spent about a year in transit to Rome and he was shipwrecked and then he spent two years in prison in Rome. So that's five years out of Paul's life that he was in prison and in bondage and suffering things because he did not follow the leading of the Lord. Am I condemning Paul? No, I'm just saying he was a man like all the rest of us and he made mistakes and yet he says he always had a conscience void of offense. Not because he did everything right. It wasn't because his actions were perfect. It was because he encouraged himself in the Lord. It's because he fully persuaded his heart. He assured his heart before God to the point that when he got into a shipwreck, he could have thought, well, I brought this all on myself. I deserve this because I was told not to go to Jerusalem and I did it. I'm going to die. God's going to get me. But no, he prayed and he had an angel come stand beside him and say, Paul, your prayers are heard and not only is your life going to be spared, but the life of every single person on this ship. Even though he was not in the perfect will of God, even though he hadn't done everything exactly the way that God called him to do, Paul still had confidence. He went to God. He purged his conscience and he stood there and God answered his prayer and granted him deliverance and saved the lives of every person on that trip, ship. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if you are waiting until you are perfect before you have confidence, you're never going to have confidence. You have to purge your conscience. You have to take the blood of Jesus and say, it's not based on what I do. It's based on what Jesus did for me. And you need to be like Enoch and go around and say, I please God. And if that makes all the hair on the back of your neck stand up and fearful like, oh God, you're going to get me. Well, then you haven't purged your conscience. You need to start working on it until you can come up with this statement and say boldly in front of anybody, I please God, not because of my actions, but because of my faith. And you need to purge your conscience and you need to gain this confidence that most people are missing. God loves you. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, God loves you. He's pleased with you. And you may, be, you may be having all kinds of problems. There may be some of you that are dealing with drug, alcohol, abuse. Maybe you've got other things. But if you are born again, God is pleased with you. Not because you do everything right, but because He is love. And once you understand that, and once you get rid of the condemnation and the guilt that comes from your conscience... It will set you free not to live in sin, but it'll set you free from sin. If you could ever enter into this intimacy with God and accept that He's pleased with you because of what Jesus has done, that would free you up. It would give you power to be able to overcome sin. Man, I know that God has touched some people. You know, I want to encourage you to please call that number that you see on your screen. We've got people right now who would pray with you and some of you are saying, man, I've never heard this. I've never understood it. For me to say that I please God, I 
I just couldn't do that. If you've never been born again, call that number. We'll pray with you. You'll get born again and then you'll be pleasing to God. If you've already been born again, but your conscience is condemning you, call that number. Let someone minister to you. And I guarantee you, it'll be a brand new day for you. Remember, tomorrow is my last day to offer this teaching. Who told you that you were naked? It's a study on the conscience. Our announcer is going to give you all the information about it. Please call or write today and join me again tomorrow as I conclude this series on Who Told You That You Were Naked? We hope you enjoyed this edition of The Gospel Truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast this message consistently all around the world. Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry materials into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. Andrew's teaching titled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? is available in a four-part CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. You can also get this teaching in book form. The teaching highlighted in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of January, to welcome in the new year, Andrew will be in Phoenix, Arizona for the annual Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference. In February, he'll be in Orlando and Oakland, Florida. In March, he'll be at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park, Colorado for the annual Karis Bible College Men's Advance with special guest Tony Dungy and James Brown. Also at the Sanctuary in March, Andrew will be hosting the ARMI Conference for Ministers. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'd like to encourage you to check out our Gospel Truth TV. You've got well-known people on there like Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Keith Moore, and it's a safe place to be. You are going to be blessed. So check it out. It's 24-7, gospeltruth.tv. want to connect with like-minded believers? Do you want to go deeper in God's Word through the teachings of Andrew Womack? Then Karis Bible Studies is the place for you. Connect with believers in your area to dig into the message of God's unconditional love and grace. The leaders are Karis alumni with a solid foundation in the Word of God. Karis Bible Studies are connecting believers with the Word of God in your neighborhood. Find a Bible study near you by visiting charisbiblestudies.net. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I just want to thank you for being a part of our social media. We are seeing some great things happen. I just wanted to share some of these testimonies with you of things that have happened recently that we got 
testimonies through the postings that we put on social media. One of them says, I thank God first for allowing me to read on this page, Hallelujah, I was a Muslim, but by the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, He called me to become His son, and I am a born-again Christian. Praise the Lord. Man, that right there is awesome. Another testimony says, I was healed tonight while watching Andrew on Healing Is Here. I've had chronic back pain, been to many doctors, and have been taking medicine strength Motrin for more than 15 years. I am completely healed and free of pain for the first time. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Andrew, for the healing word. So these are things that are coming out of the social media uh, ministry, and I would like to encourage you to be a part of this. These testimonies could be amplified many times over if we just had more people participating in it. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you, and share this uh, ministry with other people.